Well, let me speak to you for a few moments here. Seems like there's something else I need to say, but I've certainly said a lot already. But I believe it's been the Lord. Turn over to 2, Tim, 2 Peter, 2 Peter, 2 Peter. I've been trying to preach this message for about three weeks now. In the first week, we had a big update. In the second week, I just read a scripture. In the third week, I just got to the introduction. But that's all right. I'm not in a hurry. I just want to say what the Lord wants me to say. And so we're looking at 1 Peter chapter, 2 Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, beginning in verse 1. I've titled this, A Spiritual Survival Guide for the Last Days. I've titled it that way because, you know, a survival guide is something, if you're out in the wilderness, it's a manual on how to survive, how to make it in a, a certain adverse element, if you will. Now, we know that according to Scripture, the moment we say yes to Jesus, that moment we are we're taken taking out of old Adam. We're taking out, taken out of a, a lost race, and we're brought into God's redeemed race. Which, listen, which consists of every single human being who has truly been born again. And if you're born again, any born again folks here. So if you're born again, any born again folks on YouTube and on Facebook, our folks there. I see a bunch of you joining us online. Hope to see you next week. Come on, amen. If you're born again, and, and I'll just say a little aside here. The born again experience is something that has come to mean everything and nothing in our modern day. Hear that? The born again, what, what it truly means to be born again has been lost in our modern day. We need to preach on truly the intricacies and the great miracle of what happens when a person is born again. But every person that's been born again has been taken out of this world. Say, well, I'm in the world. No, you're not. Really, you're not. You're in the world, yes. But you're not of the world. Where the Bible calls us in, the, in these books of Peter, we're what? We're strangers and we're pilgrims in the earth, right? We're strangers and we're pilgrim, pilgrims. How do we live for God in a day like today? Now, there's always been ebb and flow, always. There's been great times of wickedness, and there's been great times of revival. How I many you know in our world today, in America, we're not in revival? <laughs> we're, we're in a down season. We're in a, you know, the Bible says, be instant in season, out of season. It's out of season right now. How do we live for God when it's not in season? There was a time in the 50s when it was kind of seasonable to be a Christian. Most politicians were Christians. Even those that weren't highly Christian, they at least went to church. We were more of a Christianized nation, though that not everyone's ever been born again in our nation. We have been a Christian nation. There was a time when they would say the American, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance and all of this, there's a time in our nation, in public schools, they would pray. Public schools, they would pray. 
Public schools, they would read the Word of God. I read an article not long ago of a coach that just simply prayed with the football team on the sideline before the game in a school. He was fired. He was fired. Because he said he wouldn't quit praying. Why is it that, that we're in a culture that's out of season that we have to, you could be about anything. You could be about anything in the public arena except a Christian. How have we come to a place where that we can't live out Christianity, but they think that we need to leave it at the church door? That's for the church house. No, my friend, this is God's world. He's about to take it back too. Jesus is coming. He's going to take it back. This world belongs to God. The earth is the Lord and the fullness of the world and they that dwell in it. He is ruling until all his enemies be placed under his feet. Are you hearing me? So we need a spiritual survival guide for these days. How do we truly live for God in these days? We can live for God. We can live for God. Noah lived for God. Come on, Enoch lived for God. Abraham lived for God. David lived for God. The apostles, the, the first century, they didn't have any standings uh, it's in a secular sense. Christianity was, was under the, the, the jackbooted heel of the Roman Empire, and yet it, yet it thrived, and the gospel went to the entire Roman world of that day. Had no buildings. God's about to bless us with a brand new building. Come on, good things come to those who wait. It's happening. I can't wait about March or early April. Steel's coming. Come on, concrete's coming. Parking lot's coming. They had nothing like that in the first century. For some 300 years, they'd gather in little places, little groups here, little groups there, in, in, under some tree grove and in some little first century house. They'd even juice them. They'd gather in the... In Solomon's colonnade, they'd gather in these little rooms, and the church was strong. It survived. Peter, in, this, in these books, he's writing to scattered saints. Scattered saints. Scattered all over. Persecution arose. Scattered from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria. Scattered out to Bithynia and to Galatia. Scattered out to Rome. So how are these scattered saints going to survive in these days? Not only did they survive, they thrived. Here's what Peter says. Let's look at this one verse. 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, Notice, to those who have, who have obtained, they have received. Notice, a like, a like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you notice this. Now, look here. This, if you'll trace Peter's life, this phrase, this title the righteousness, notice, of our God and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Basically, this is the same thing Peter said in Matthew 16. It's basically the same thing. Who do men say that I am? Some say that you're Jeremiah. Some say that you're Isaiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? I say that you are the Christ and you are the son of the living God. That's exactly what he's saying here. Our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of our God and Savior, Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called us by glory and virtue. Some translations say calls us to glory and virtue, and both are correct. By which we have been given exceeding great and precious promises. That through these we may be partakers of the divine nature. You know that if you're saved, you have been partaker of the divine nature. You've got the earnest of your inheritance. The Lord spoke to me the other day and said, my people are talking about heaven, but they haven't even enjoyed the full earnest of what I've given them. They barely even scratched the surface, the surface of the earnest of the blessing that I want them to walk in right now. Exceeding great and precious promises that by these we may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that's in the world. Through lust. So what is it? Let me touch on this. How are we going to survive in these days? There's something that's going to have to happen because not everyone's going to make it. I say that with a sad heart. You know, you can... Preaching is like sowing seed in a garden. We sow seed in people's hearts. In the garden of people's hearts. Jesus did it too. Jesus said it's like scattering seed. Some it falls on the hard soil. Some on the shallow. Some on the thorny cluttered soil. But some falls on good ground. What if you sowed seed in your garden. And you went out there and you realized. That part of the garden didn't make it. Maybe half the garden make it. Or maybe, what if you sowed seed and you did all that you could. But yet. Only a fourth of the garden produced. Not everyone's going to make it in this day. Not every Christian's going to make it in this day. In fact, that's, if you read this first chapter of 2 Peter, that's what he's talking about. And he uses the word stumble. If you do these things, you'll never stumble. And, the, and, in, and if you look at that word and really stumble, really understand, that word's talking about stumbling into a stumbling and completely falling. So we're not talking about just backsliding. How are we going to make it in these days? And here's, here's the thing that's got to happen. Peter talks about precious faith. If we're going to make it and thrive as a church and as the people of the Lord in these days, here's what has to happen. We have to hold our faith in Jesus Christ as the most valuable the most precious, the most important thing in our lives. Because I can tell you this, to the scattered saints that he wrote to, that Peter wrote to, they had lost everything. The, the first century Christian Hebrews, Christian Jews, lost everything. 
Read, read the 10th chapter of Hebrews. It says, they spoiled you. They took all of your earthly things away. And they spoiled. They took every earthly thing away. But you know what? Even most Christians today, what they're grasping at is things, 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 things. And they grab, up, grab people in their hearts. But I'm appealing to you, if you're going to survive these days, if churches that are going to survive and thrive are not going to be churches that are just compartmental churches. We're just going to do what we want during the week. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna live for the world during the week. And then we're going to come and do our Jesus thing for about an hour, two hours on Sunday mornings. No, no, no. Peter says, those who obtained, notice, a like precious faith is ours. The one thing I want to talk about is this. It won't be long. What makes this faith so precious? Let's talk about that. One of the reasons this faith that we have been given is so precious is because who it's from. Who it's from is found here it says in Peter, I read it to you, the righteousness of God. Everyone say God. Of God and our and Savior Jesus Christ. I'll declare it and I'll declare it again. The only faith, the only true faith. The only faith that will save is the faith that we hold. Any other faith will not save. It's a false hope. It's a fool's hope. But we have the only faith that's been given from heaven that will redeem men. It is precious because this faith is the only faith that's come from God. God the Father sent his only son. And listen, there's only one Savior. And man, this is not popular. In our, in our pluralistic society today, this is not popular. This, this is hated today. When a minister says there's only one faith that will save. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's only one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and he's the life. And if any human being is ever going to be accepted in the presence, you, you notice how everybody's going to heaven today? Everyone's going to heaven. You, listen, go out on the street. You can go to bars. You can go anywhere you want to go. And you go, who's going to heaven? Oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Not so. If, listen, if anyone, any one of us or any human being that's ever graced the face of this earth, is ever going to be accepted when they leave this world. And by the way, we're going to leave this world one day. And I tell you, the Lord's going to come. He may be coming quicker than we know. We may be giving it all to Pelosi pretty soon here. But if anyone is ever going to be accepted in the presence of holy God, I want to tell you this, it's going to be through Jesus Christ. Ephesians says, we are accepted in the beloved. The only righteousness that our God, our Father, will accept is the righteousness Jesus secured for us on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. When the, when the Father spoke at the baptism, he said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. He's the one I love. To reject Jesus is to reject our only hope. To reject Jesus what does that mean to reject Jesus? One of the things it means is that we remain under the wrath of God. We, our world, we've had such poor preaching and such poor theology over the last 50 years. 
people talk as if God is everybody's little buddy. I'm going to tell you the truth. If we believe this book right here, every lost person, God loves them absolutely. But the truth is, if they're not in relationship with him and they're not born again, they are living under the wrath of God. They're living in that state right now. You know that God's wrath is already being revealed? I understand this is not popular, but it's the truth. How how is that? Here's here's how God's wrath is, is revealed. First of all, there's present wrath. Present wrath. Wrath that we can see. Wrath that's going on right now. We see it manifested in our nation. And and what is it? It's, it's, It's the manifestation of the consequences of sin. It's a it's a default. It's built in. It's built in the universe. It's built in the human race. It's the wages of sin, and we see it manifested in a temporal way. This is not the final judgment of God, but it's the temporal judgments of God that we see that is automatic when human beings uh, reject the word of God and reject the will of God and live in disobedience. It says, notice what it said in this. I read it to you. It says, the corruption that is in the world through evil desire. Paul said this in Romans 1.18, it says, the, the wrath of God it is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. It is being revealed. It's the consequences of individual sin. It's the consequences when, when nations sin against God. Our nation's 230-something years old. There's never been a nation that's risen up like this. If you study history, nations last about 200 years. Now, some have lasted longer, the Roman Empire, etc. The, the, the British Empire, there was a thousand years, the sun never set on the British Empire. But look at Britain today. Study Britain today. Read, read Peter Hitchens' book called The Rage Against God. When he chronicles, at least to some extent, the, the demise, the spiritual demise of, the, of Britain It's become so secular and so godless. They've rejected their spiritual heritage. I fear for our nation. But look at the wrath today. Wrath being revealed. Internal strife. Rioting. Unrest. Ungodliness. Broken lives. Broken families. Moral confusion. Deception is deepened in our nation, but there's also future wrath. There's coming a day when every person that rejects Jesus Christ will experience his eternal wrath. Right now is a day of mercy. Are you hearing me? Today's a day of mercy. This is a day of mercy. Whosoever will may come. Today is a day of mercy. Today is the day that whosoever will come can drink of the waters of life. The Lord is, his throne is the throne of salvation. His throne is the throne of mercy. We don't, it doesn't matter how long you've been in sin, what you've done. He will, he, is, he will abundantly pardon every repentant sinner. Do you believe that? He'll, he'll pardon. Thank God for his mercy. I'm glad for his mercy. I'm glad I didn't get what I deserved. Come on, I'm glad I didn't. And I'm going to tell you that God is pouring. Somebody was telling me this morning how that they're witnessing to someone on their job. They're, they're a broken person and they're a lost person. And I told them, I said, keep, keep sharing Christ with them. Invite them to our church. God's going to do something with them. 
There's coming wrath. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son is not life. But the wrath of God abides on him. It's coming a day. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 talks about that God will pour out his judgment and his vengeance. Every, every person needs to wake up and know that the Lord is going to hold them accountable. What I'm telling why our faith is so precious is because our faith is the only true faith that will save. Here's another reason. It's precious because it's obtainable. I've already touched on this. He said we've obtained like precious faith. We've obtained it. This faith that Paul had is the same faith we have. We've we've obtained it. It's obtainable. God, God wants people to be saved. He's calling sinners to himself. Whosoever will is still in there. Not one person. Not one person is excluded. From this gospel call. And hear this. Every person has a choice. Are you hearing me? Every person has a choice. The more, listen, the more I study the Bible, the further I get away from Calvinism. Calvinism has had a resurgence and it's a very strange, strange, convoluted doctrine. And it's not scriptural. I believe that the Lord has offered the gospel to every human being. And I believe that every human being has to make a choice if they will accept Jesus Christ or reject Jesus Christ. Our faith is precious because it's obtainable. I thought about this week, Rahab. Rahab was in a condemned race called the Canaanites. But the Lord saw her heart. The Lord looks to and fro. He sees the hearts of people crying out to him. I think he does. He sees people that are in drugs today. They're in all kind of stuff. And the Lord hears their heart. They don't even know what they're looking for. But they're saying things like, life's got to be more than just about this. Some folks are hungover today. They were at the bar until 2. And they're at home. And they've got a headache. And they said, they're saying something like this. You know, I did this last weekend. And I said I wasn't going to do it. And I did it again. And my life is so empty. My life's turned into nothing more than going to work and then going to sit at some ridiculous bar and talking to people that we don't even care about each other. Surely there's more to life than this. And they're empty. Rahab was inside the walls of Jericho. And that, that Canaanite race had 400 years to repent. They had 400 years of grace. They were such an ungodly people, full of venereal disease, child sacrifice. It was actually a mercy the Lord exterminated them. It was a mercy to the world. There was one lady that lived in the condemned race. She was part of the condemned race. And the Lord sent two spies. Remember this? The Lord sent two spies. She said to the spies, we've heard, we have heard what the Lord has done for Israel. There's a fear in all these tribes. There's a fear because we've heard about the Lord's promise. Everyone's afraid. Would you remember me? Would you remember my family? When when you come in, when you come in, 
I believe that God is with you. I believe that what you said is going to happen. Is Would you remember me and my family? And they lay, listen, they laid the stipulations down and said, if you will stay in your house, if you'll put a cord out, a red cord, a garlic cord out the window, when we come, we will spare you. There, listen, there were stipulations for salvation. They were stipulations for redemption in that day. And there's still stipulations. You say, you say it's unconditional. It's not unconditional. It's conditioned on, it's conditioned on this. Repent and believe the gospel. Our salvation is about faith in Jesus Christ. If you will put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, he will save you. Faith can get us through. Faith will, that faith will get us through this world and get us home safely. I can never work my way to heaven. But I can trust. Look at this. The Bible says of, of Rahab. Oh, ungodly Rahab, the prostitute. See, there's people that you, th- you don't think God will save. But God doesn't feel that way. God could save a Rahab. God could save a wicked apostle Paul. God could save anyone. Remember the demon-possessed guy? He was full of demons. He was cutting himself. I remember one time... Years ago, when I was pastoring our first church, and one of my deacons said, he called me one Saturday, he said, hey, Brother Joe, he said, I have a friend that I grew up and went to high school with that he's, man, he is whacked out. He's just a crazy guy. But he called me, and he's, he just he wants to kill himself, and he's talking about suicide, and he said, I feel like I need to go pray for him. He said, but I'll be honest with you, and this, and this deacon I had, this guy was a big dude. This guy's like 6'2", 6'3", 250, 60. He's a big boy. He said, I'm a little concerned to go out there by myself. There's some crazy stuff going out there. I said, well, hey, I'll go with you. Like, what am I going to do, you know? <laughs> the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, you know? <laughs> the sword of the Lord and of Childs. So we went out there, and it was wintertime. It was cold, and we drove up out in these, this wooded place. There was a little trailer out there, and there was a wild man standing out front. He had his hair shaved, but back here, he had hair, and it was long as a pump down to his waist. And he looked like a man that had come out of the jungle. And he got this talking to us. And finally, after he told us all his troubles, I called his name, and I said, Listen, you can, what you need is Jesus. Jesus can change you. See, he can obtain like precious faith. This is a faith that can change a person. And I said, you need Jesus. Do you want Jesus? Do you want to, do you want to keep living like an animal out here? And I won't go into all the stuff they were doing, but they was like living like animals. I said, do you want to keep living like this? Or do you want Jesus to save you? Yes, I want Jesus to save me. And we prayed with this gentleman, and we cried out to the Lord for him, and he cried out to the Lord. And the next Sunday, he came to church. And those little Pentecostals lady ain't never seen anything like that come in the church. Only Pentecostal people. No, no, let me sit this way. Only church people come in and start from the back. Most folks, they think they want the best seat in the house. To get lost people, they'll come all the way to the front. Church had already started. We were praising the Lord. He had his little baby with him. 
He walked all the way down the aisle. And that ponytail going like this, back and forward. Everybody looking at him. He comes and sits right on the front row. And I went, yeah. He didn't know etiquette. He got into the service. He got into the message. That little baby started crawling everywhere. That baby was over here and that baby was over there. But the Lord started getting a hold of this guy's life. His life's all wrecked. He had to go to court. Brother Joe, would you go with me? I said, sure. Went to court with him. One time he was so distraught. He said, could I just come and sleep at your house? I said, come on. He slept on the floor. I said, you need a pillow? No. He just laid on the floor. Just on the floor. Just. But you know what? This is a faith that's obtainable. It can reach anyone. And if we're going to build a church, we've got to get out. I know we've been in COVID. I know we've been locked down. I know everybody's, but we've got, we, we got to get past this and build the church. This is a precious, precious faith. It's obtainable. It's obtainable. Amen. Won't we stand? Let's, let's pray. Jesus, what a precious faith that we have. This is a faith that brings true, true righteousness. This is a faith, this is a, this is a redemption that cleanses us, it washes us, it makes us your children. It takes, it takes a Rahab and makes her part of God's family. Jesus. Let's just meditate on this precious faith. If we're going to survive in these days, we have, to, we have to hold our relationship with Jesus. We can't treat it like a hobby. We can't treat it like going hunting or going golfing that, hey, you know, I kind of like it. But no, no, no. We have to hold it as the most precious possession that we have. And something that's precious to us, we guard it. We guard it and we invest in it and we fight for it. But we also like to share it with others. Are you hearing me? We want to share this faith. Don't ever be ashamed of sharing Jesus. I was out the other day. I was sharing Jesus with a gentleman, older gentleman. I was sharing the Lord with him. I was encouraging him. I guess my prayer today is this, that the Lord would do something in your heart. Put a, put a greater love for Christ. Could we ask him for that? Would you just lift your hands and ask him, Lord, Lord, help me to love you like I've never loved you before in these days. Lord, in these days when we see Christians that don't even go to church anymore, they used to be in the altars, used to serve the Lord, but now they're doing all their stuff. They've lost their love. They've left their love. We're not going to do it. We're going to hold on to this. And I pray for revival in this church. I pray for revival in your heart and in my heart. Come on, would you cry out to the Lord? We need revival. Lord, give us revival. Give us an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we're going to fight. We're going to fight the fight of faith.
Jesus, help us, Lord. Mighty, mighty Lord, mighty God. Jesus, Hallelujah. I don't even know how to pray right now, to be honest with you. I just want you to pray. Whatever you need to pray in your heart. You know how God's dealing with you. Come on, right there where you are. You just take it, take this, make it a prayer time. You know what you need. I don't know what to pray for you. What do you need? What do you need God to do in your life? What do you need the Lord to stir? What do you need the Lord to remove? Father, we ask that you move among us. Cleanse sin right now. Maybe there's sin. Maybe there's secret sin that is just hindering your life. Surrender that to the Lord now. Ask Him to forgive you. Repent of it. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. I want want you to look at me a second. When I was out there talking to that old gentleman, one of the last things I said to him, I looked at him. We're out here, over here in Mesquite. I looked at that man. Had never met him before. Just got to talking to him. I said, I told him, I said, I love Jesus. I told him, I said, I love the Lord. I love him. I pray that the Lord would pour such a love for Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would make Jesus so real that he is so precious to you. I don't know where we're heading in our country. I think we've got persecution for the church. But that's, that's the way it's always been. Who cares? The church will never be stopped. We're going to thrive in this atmosphere. This is going to cause a fire and a, and, a, and, a, and a blessing to come to the church. Fires of persecution never stop the church. But as I conclude this prayer, my prayer is that you would just fall so in love with Jesus. That your prayer times would just wouldn't be like wouldn't be like, oh, you know, I gotta go pray. But it would just be sweet, sweet times of fellowship with the Lord. That you're just in his presence. And sometimes you don't ask for anything, you're just there with the Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He puts that love for Jesus. Do you want that? And maybe you have, but don't know you want more of that. So Lord, let's let's pray. Father, Lord. We ask today, that is, the Apostle Peter talked about this precious faith that we've all obtained. We obtained it not by works, but by faith in Christ. Lord, I'm reminded of Ephesians 3. It says, the love of Christ, which is the width, the, the, width, the length, the depth, the height of this love, which surpasses knowledge. Lord, take our personal relationships with you to the next level. Help us to love Jesus like we've never loved Him before. Holy Spirit, pour that love in us for Christ because if we have love for Christ, we're going to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to love lost people and those that are broken and need Jesus. Pour your love in us. It all starts with that first love. My prayer for you today 
that in Jesus' name, that you would return to your first love. That you return to your first love. Hallelujah. As we conclude this service today, I, I want us to continue to pray for the things I shared. I, I'll, I'll be communicating with you if we hear anything back as we move forward with this. But I need you praying every day for miracles. Every day. Those of our church family that joins us online, uh, praise God. I thank God. We have a number join us online now. They, we come in and they'll be tithed in the door. They don't come because of a health reasons. And they'll be tithed sitting in the foyer. They'll just shove it through the door. We, so special to me. They, they're, they're with us. They're not physically, but they're with us. And they're sowing seeds and they're supporting financially. But we're believing God for miracles. Now listen, we're not saying, oh God, we believe you do miracles. We're saying he's doing miracles for us. And so Lord, as we conclude this time, we ask you that such power for miracles would work in us. And that Lord, that you would move heaven and earth to let your will come forth for this church. We don't lean upon the arm of flesh of man. But Lord, we look to you. We are going to build this church on your promises. We're building this church on prayer. We're building this church on the dependence on the Holy Spirit. We're building this church on love. We're building this church on preaching. We're building this church on consecrated living. We're building this church by trusting in you with all of our hearts. We're going to look to you. And we believe that heaven will be open for us. Even this week, Lord, give us divine favor. Lord, I ask that now, that that church, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. And we ask it in a hearty amen, amen. I love you, church. Be dismissed in the Lord.